Matthew 2. I think it's the first reading that's in your bulletin there. Let me just do that first reading together. So then Herod called the Magi secretly. And remember, they've been traveling, right? They've been following the star and they come to Jerusalem. To, that's where they would have assumed that uh, this king would have been born. And, and so the picking up in the story, it says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Lord, thanks for these continued stories about people's response to you and Lord, I, I just think of Herod, um, obviously deceiving, and, and we know the story, but, but perhaps if we didn't know the story, maybe we'd be excited about the potential of his intention, and Lord, how it turned out to be something totally different. I, I just pray this morning, Lord, that the intention of our heart to, to respond and follow you would be something that you, by your grace, would make into reality in our lives. We, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, you can be seated. Hey, the ushers, if you guys could hand out some pens and pencils this morning. I know we have them back there. Or if a couple of you could just get up and they're right there in the back and pass those out because it's kind of a key thing today. Um, the, the the notes are, are are it's just a blank page and uh, I, I want us to to consider some different things um, you know I know some of you get this I, as I look out there and I've seen Tom this morning and 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 Kyle and 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 many of you guys Garrett I know Dave David as well um, get this idea and, and you might want to write this down you, your mentors do not have to be living people that are older than you, okay? I mean, if it was a teaching on mentoring, I, I suppose I could even suggest that you could be mentored by someone younger than you too. Um, but really where I'm wanting to go with this is to consider in life how people that have lived long before you can mentor you and teach you something. And so today, in keeping with just the Christmas story and, and where we were over Christmas Eve, I, I talked about people's responses to him. And, and today, just kind of in a, in a mellow way, I don't think I'm going to shout too much in the message today. Um, but I, I, just, I just want it to be, and I might even sit down, but I want this to be a time where we would consider how these people of a time long ago uh, would mentor us 
in, in our walk with the Lord. And so maybe write that down. Uh, how, how, do, how do people in uh, the past mentor my life? How can I read a story about an incredible king or an incredible military person? Uh, and I, I, I'm the worst at that kind of thing. I, I, I don't like to read for pleasure. I like to read for knowledge. Um, and, and so I'm usually going to like textbook type things, uh, theology books, commentaries. And, but when I get just kind of jousted out of that every now and then and, and read something that is just a story about someone else's life, I get so encouraged and, and reminded that, uh, you know, people long ago can teach me stuff. Okay? So what are we going to find here that we're being taught? And, and again, these are there's just blanks that you're going to fill. You just write down something that hits you. The, the first thing that I would say about the wise men that, that ought to confront us big time is that, that these, were, these were not, uh, I, I mean, you can study them, and some people think that maybe they were a Jewish proselytes that just were gone from a different place. Most likely they're just pagan uh, astrologers, astronomer guys that uh, um, are just following the lead of what they saw. I mean, they obviously saw something incredible in the heavens, and uh, there there is some some amazing stuff written about that. I mean, you could spend the whole next month researching the star that was uh, in the east, and then the one over Bethlehem, and and all that. But what I want you to think about this morning is is that by way of contrast, how God's people were not paying attention at all. They had so uh, become so hardened in their hearts, and, and even the priests and, the, and most of the people were just kind of going through the motions, and their hope for salvation was more of a militaristic deliverance from the Romans. And they just were kind of in a, in a rut, and by way of contrast, these pagan kings, uh, pagan uh, astronomer, uh, wealthy guys, uh, end up coming to see the Lord. And, and they go great distances to find their way to God. And, and every time I read that, I, I read that story, of course, this time of year, and, and in the, I try and keep up in the one-year Bible, so at the very least, I read it once a year. Um, but every time I consider this, I, that contrast just stands out to me, that the, the effort that these guys are putting in and just barely being in the know of what surprising thing was going to happen. And so, in this year, start the next year with, with a zeal to pursue God with the things that you know. Because how much greater are the things that we know, right? Um, he, Hebrews 1 puts it this way. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And, and so these wise men would have experienced a various way of God speaking to them. But here the author of Hebrews is going to say this, though, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. 
the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, that's his death on the cross and his resurrection, his life offered for us. After he provided that, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I mean, you have way more information than those wise men did. And so I want you to take the information that you have, which is in the pages of Scripture, and you pursue God. Let these guys just, uh, in some ways, kind of shame us a little bit. You know? Um, Have you ever, you know, looked at, you know, there's been times where I've said to people that are not believers, like, man, your life exemplifies uh, things about my faith even far better than than mine does. And, and you see that. But how much more we who know Christ and have the good news ought to pursue God. Okay? So, hey. Then the next thing I'm going to say is, is this whole thing of them presenting their gifts. May, may we be encouraged by that. They, they come before the Lord and they offer Him their gifts. Now, notice the flow of that. They're really being drawn by God, right? Like we want to give them credit. They see the star in the east. But uh, think about it. Just think about the geometry of it, right? I mean, how can a star in heaven get you over a house on earth? I mean, (laughs) just do the math on that, right? I mean, have you ever driven somewhere and you're like, wow, the night sky looks pretty much the same here. And you're like, I'm a hundred miles from my house. You know what I mean? And you're still looking up and the big dipper's kind of over there. And you've got to go a long ways before what the stars even move in, in their place in the sky. So we would understand also that there's a supernatural thing going on here. And that's, that's the course of, of the message of salvation. God drawing you to himself. You coming before him at his feet and recognizing he is far greater. Jesus is far greater than you ever imagined. And so you fall down to worship him and then the gifts of your life flow in his direction. I mean, if you could just get that today. God, you've drawn me. I come in worship and here's the gifts of my life. That would be an amazing thing. And so write that down. What do you have that you weren't given to begin with? I love that. In Corinthians, Paul, in the midst of this argument, just inserts this little thing. He says, uh, what do you have that you did not receive? And, and if then you, did, you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? He's in this conflict uh, with folks. But just lifting that little truth out of, a little, slightly out of context, but just considering it in the light of tonight, like, Gosh, everything we have is from God. And, and yet He comes to us. What an amazing revelation of Christmas that, and, and this all through the Old Testament as well, that our God is a God that pursues us and loves us to that extent. Amen. Hey, another thing, confidence in His leading. I love Isaiah uh, speaks of it this way. It says, whether, whether you turn to the left or to the right, you know, you'll hear this voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. 
And this is promised to God's people that God, God is a God who leads us. And you see it again reflected in the lives of these pagan kings. Like, like you'd think that the end of the story would be they got to Jesus and they fell down, they worshipped him and it was all good. We don't need any more information. But isn't it interesting? They still need God's direction. I've always marveled at that, that it's not about a one-time event in your life. If you think about it, it would be, that would have been it, right? We followed this star. There was a manifestation of a star that brought us over someone's house. We go in, and there's the baby. There's the promised child. And, and our, our, we can't help it. We just worship him. And, and I know some, some would say, oh, that was just the custom that they pay him uh, you know, homage, that they would worship anyone in that con- context. But the, the text seems to say that there was, this, there was this abandonment there. It seems to kind of point to that type of thing. Well, you would think that would be enough, right? Good to go. Get to go. Don't need any more. And no, they need that continued direction, right? How does the story end? And being warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Uh, and again, I should have said this at the beginning. We always have to be careful when we read Scripture this way, when we're just trying to pull stuff out that, that makes sense to us and helps us in our daily life. Although, on the other hand, we absolutely need to be doing that, right? Um, so we don't want to take things out of context, but we, we do want to, uh, in the light of being mentored by these people that have gone before us, just look that, that way. Now, just from a pure, uh, responsible first reading, all these stories that are laid out in here are to witness to the reaction that people had of Jesus coming into the world. These are to document historically the ripple effect of his life. So no matter what, it is that at its very base level. We would go to these stories, and if you imagine if you're the author, Matthew, you have all these stories that you can tell about the birth of Jesus. But you need to get the ball rolling. You can't tell them all, right? And so you're going to put some of them together and, and, of course, we believe inspired by the Holy Spirit that they did that. And so they begin to tell of Jesus' life and the rippling effect. And the first rippling effect is, is that even pagan uh, wise men, astrologers, people in the know are being drawn to him. God's doing something incredible. And so we know that at a base level, there's that. Consider these stories as like assayers. Um, an assayer, right, is going to take your uh, little little chunk of gold. I, the other day I was having my Clint Eastwood day. I got some new Clint Eastwood movies for Christmas. And so I'm just watching the old ones and the new ones. And, and they're westerns, and so there's always gold involved, right? Well, when the guys dig up a big old chunk of gold, right, they're going to go and they're going to get it weighed and they're going to get it tested. It's going to be assayed. And what actually is there will be revealed and determined. So picture these stories that way. Jesus has come into the world and the world begins to assay him. He's the son of God come into the world. And then if you're the pagan king Herod, there's trouble coming. I'm not really in charge. I need to try and put a squelch on this. And there's 
fear in the community. And for some people, there's hope. And it's the same thing that happens today. We used to preach, come to Jesus and your life will be perfect. No, come to Jesus, period, because your life needs him. Eternity is guaranteed to you through him. And I tell you what's guaranteed without him is lostness and judgment. But coming to him might mess up your life. <laughs> it might cause the, you to need to change Well, I know it's going to do that. It might cause you to grow. It might cause you to not have the friends that you used to have. God coming into your life can change things. And we see this in these stories. And so they're assaying Him at the very base level. And I'm sorry I didn't say that in the beginning. But now looking through it through the lens of us going, hey, how can these people mentor us? Then we we just go, wow, there's so much here. There's a flow here. God drawing them, them worshiping, their gifts coming forward. I want that. You want that? And wouldn't that be the, you know, if 2015, God, if that's what happens in my life, that sounds like a good thing. Remembering that everything I have belongs to him anyhow. Being confident in his leading. That these men, after that incredible encounter, still need God's direction in their life. And so they depart another way. And one, one last statement about that, the departing the other way. Listen, th- this is just a truth that we can see demonstrated in this story. The world's reaction to Jesus will cause you to have to live a different way. And your coming to Jesus will have to, I mean, will cause you to have to live a different way. I mean, that's just the bottom line here, and we see it right from day one. Okay? They need to go out a different way because Herod is going to deceive them. And I I tell you what, don't, don't miss this in your Christian life. God's calling you to live a different way. And the world and their view of Christ and their response to Christ will force you in that as well. And so wouldn't you rather be the one with the reins on that, yielded to God, versus living reactionary towards the world? And so we get this here in this story. I think it's really amazing. Now our next story is that we come to is that when it came to the time of the purification, right, they come to the temple, and there was this man um, there, uh, Simeon. And picking up in, in verse 26, it says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And, and there's that theme again, God drawing us, right? He came in the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do according to him the custom of the law, um, and, and he took, I'm thinking of thoughts here, but all right, he took him up in his arms and blessed him and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. Just seeing it as a historical narrative This is the world again and people in the world and now a believing man assaying Jesus' life. 
And I would ask you today, what, how is your life uh, uh, assaying Him? In other words, coming to know the value that's in Him. Not the value that you're giving Him, but the value that is Him. And so here's a man that sees the value of Him and says, Wow, I can depart in peace. And goodness, what a message right there, you guys. Again, textual narrative, it's people responding to Jesus. It's the author, here again, uh, setting the stage for us to understand the life of Jesus. No matter what, I don't care what seminary you go to, uh, what pagan school you might go to, if you're going to teach on that, that's what it is no matter what at its base level the story. But now, looking at it, we go, wow, goodness, being able to have a sense of peace in your life because of a proper proper identification of who he is. Some of you need to hear that. The, The issue in your life is a a limited understanding of him and who he is. Properly assay him who he is. And I'm telling you this morning, you can depart here in peace. With a greater peace. But the one other thing I want us to land on here this morning is I love this. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Verse 33. And this is what I was just contemplating. I know some of you tease me for working three hours a week. So I had three hours of overtime, right, because of Christmas. That was last week. And so I begin this week with my three hours here. But um, as I was getting a chance to ponder this, it's kind of the craziness of last week. uh, I was reminded it's bigger than you and me. Don't don't you get that in the life of the parents right there? They're like, wow. They marveled, his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And and oh, that from a devotional standpoint, I just want to marvel at Jesus. What's said about him and that reminder that this, this life is way bigger than me, this church, you, the whole thing. God's doing something grand, right? God is working out His plan of salvation in human history. And aren't you grateful to be a part of it? I I think Paul kind of, it just flavors this a little bit. He says, speaking about the gospel, he says, For what I received, I passed on to you. As of first importance, this, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul is saying, hey, in this, in this message, of this thing that's way bigger than me, I want to make sure that I, I get it right, and I, I'm telling you the bottom line stuff. Christ died according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of all whom are still living, 
So he's, he's bearing witness to that. He's like, look, you can go talk to these people. He's setting up the witness of Christ. But he ends it by just saying this, and last of all, he appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Um, I, I'm trying to capture kind of the humility here and, and a reminder to all of us that, that it's, it's bigger than us. We ought to marvel at it and, and we ought to make sure that we get the foundation of it right. It's about Jesus and what he's done. And, and yet we, we want to just marvel at how big that is. And how grand that is. And then put ourselves in that right place. You know what, Lord? It's not about me. Peter on the rooftop, I think, experienced that as well. Uh, as, as God you know, broke in and, and said, you know what? This, this message is going to the Gentiles. And, and I know Peter kind of grappled with the whole thing of, of being humbled uh, before God. And so... Uh, again, back to that, sir, that that story there. The things that I'm, I'm going to glean out of that, that mentoring there is is just being led by the Spirit to to assay Jesus correctly is is the ticket for peace in your life and my life. And then this marveling thing. You know, uh, have we lost that? Father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Are you still marveling at what's been said about him? And then putting that in proper place in humility. The last last story I want to bring is this one about Anna. And and in verse uh, verse 36, I'm having fun skipping the names here, but... uh, she was advanced in years. The de- definition of this gal, advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. And uh, I, I was kind of studying that. There's some funny math there in that. But, but, but basically, but this gal was a faithful woman and, and after being married seven years, Whenever that happened in her life, just ended up becoming a widow and then just served in the temple until the time when she's 84. And now uh, this this happens in her life. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And, And which, by the way, that was Solomon's vision for the temple to begin with. And so here you have this faithful lady Actually, again, in contrast uh, to everyone else around, uh, getting it. Getting it that that's what uh, God's house was to be about. I mean, Jesus himself said, my house is to be called a house of prayer. And here is this gal doing it. But it says that coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak to him of all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, another simple narrative about people responding to Jesus. Okay? So no matter what, it is that. But now, looking at it a little bit more and considering it, what, what, can, we, what can we do? Well, to me, the, the thing that really spoke to my heart, especially this week, 
was just to remind myself, and again, it, this goes with the it's bigger than you part that we just talked about, but, but this reminder that it's, it's not about me. I mean, this gal totally models that incredibly, that it's not about human achievement. It's, it's not about this life. Although we're very blessed in this life to, to I mean, have the experiences that we do. And, and so I'm not trying to belittle this life. I think a lot of times we as Christians get criticized, uh, you know, for being too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And But you know what? What I find in my life is I'm too earthly-minded to be any heavenly good a lot of times. You know, it's, it's very rare that I'm too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good. Although you might think that. Maybe you can talk to me afterward. But, but for the most part, the experience that I have is, is being too earthly-minded to be heavenly good. And here's a gal that's, that's got it together. Uh, her heavenly mindedness is causing her to be praying and fasting. Um, we would see if you were to study that culture, she could have gone a totally different track. She could have gotten remarried. She probably might have had uh, better benefits in that kind of situation. But she chose to just live a life of prayer and fasting in the temple of God. And, and that's commendable. And so we ought to look to that just off the bat and go, wow, here's a great example of just a gal or another person that would just go, you know what, it's, it's not about me. It, it's about something greater than me. It's about what God is doing. And so be encouraged in that. Paul put it this way to Timothy. He said, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take Nothing out of it. Church, as we just rapidly leave Christmas already, and we're going to be caught up in the new year and wondering how the Chargers did this morning or something like that. All that, you know what I mean? That's the, the, the I mean, we're already burning rubber that direction, right? Uh, and I think it would be good for us to remind ourselves anew. Whew. Not about me. Not about me. Not about this life. Not about all the accomplishments I can make in this life. Not about all the things I can do for myself. That there, there's this blessing in just being content and being about a faithfulness in God's work. That this, this gal doesn't, other than the story in Scripture, there's no accolades. Who knows if she was well known. It's just a great example of someone being faithful. And so notice that flow of faithfulness unto reward. Her faithfulness ends up giving her the opportunity to take Jesus in her arms and hold him. And I, I think that's so incredible. I look at that and I go, wow. You know, I'm looking for a mentor. I know the this is that just stories, of, and I'm being redundant, but that's because I want you to get this part. The narratives are about the rippling effect of Jesus coming into the world. Get that first and foremost, okay? And, and then as we draw out from it, I'm drawing from this gal's example, and I'm just saying to myself, Mark, just be faithful. 
be faithful. You don't have to be a big deal. You don't have to. It's not about the life and achievement. I don't know about you. I, I can't. I can't go fishing without wishing I own the stream, and I can't go. And I can't use gear without thinking about better gear. And I can't wrap up the day without thinking about how I could come back tomorrow. Okay, I don't know if you have that kind of experience in your life, but that's my every day. All right. As I'm just constantly being punked, I would say, by reality to just go, like, wake up. But there's those times in that where God just says, you know what? It's not about these things, Mark. You know, just make it about me. You don't have to own the land. You don't need a better rod. You don't need one more day out here. You just need me. And I think that that's so captured in the life of this person there, giving her life to the Lord. And so then she's able to come up and give thanks and speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I'm faithful. And so then God gives me the opportunity to speak. And the people that are listening are those that are waiting for it. And wow, what an awesome thing. It's a sermon that can't end unless I just quit, okay? Because we could just go on from one example to another of people responding to Jesus. And I'm I'm preaching to the choir tonight, I'm pretty sure, or this morning. You know, on Christmas Eve, I know, I look out there and I see folks, it's like... I've not I've never seen that guy. You know, I've seen her before and I've seen their kids, but I've never seen him or and 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 you know that there's an opportunity to talk to someone who doesn't know the Lord and to encourage them in that rippling effect and perhaps if you're here this morning and you don't know him that's I guess that's the the, the message is assay him for who he is. The the gold, the richness of him has come to you. You don't give that value, him value. You determine the value that he is. And he wants to be your savior and redeemer. And for those of us that have followed him, may we just continue in this pursuit of responding to him. And as we would look to these people, I, I pray that there was just one of those things that you're like, that was, that was the one thing I needed for me. And so I encourage you, make sure you write it down. If not, right now, just on the tablet of your heart and mind as we pray together. Lord, so much that we can glean from these examples. And Lord, we just thank you that no matter what, that in these narratives, there's this account for all human history to see what happened when you came into the world. And it was no small thing. Things began to change. People began to change. History changed. And Lord, now may we be changed again as we consider these amazing responses by people to you. Lord, could we ask this question this morning? How Would you have us respond to you today?
Maybe some of us just need to go home and read the story one more time of your birth and and just sit in a quiet corner of the house and turn our phone off and the TV off and and just be with you or, or be with family. Some of us need to respond anew with hope seemed to lost all sense of hope and and even Christmas made us even more hopeless the event of it but Lord I know that you would want to break into that life and and call that question would you just assay me correctly would you value me properly and I'll begin to Put things together in your life and begin to knit together the brokenness and and bring hope and purpose. Lord, we just ask you to believe anew that that is who he is and that is what he can do. So, Lord, thank you for these incredible stories of just ordinary people. Some in incredibly high positions, some with intellect beyond, and some just incredibly simple. Most of all, they responded to you, Lord. Help us in that today, we ask in your precious name. Amen.